Imagine your new bathroom, a sparkling new tub, a modern shower conversion, a seamless new wall, all done in as little as a day. Introducing Bathfitter. Join over 2 million customers delighted with our one-of-a-kind remodeling process. No demolition, no mess. Guaranteed for life. Installed in as little as a day. Book a free in-home consultation at bathfitterpodcasts.com and get our best offer of the year right now. Bathfitter, 35 years of better bath remodels. What's going on, YouTube? It's Sensei, a place to be. Chillo Join Mr. AD back to give you guys a NXT TakeOver Phoenix and Royal Rumble review. And because Royal Rumble was just way too long, so I couldn't record it after the event was over. I had to go to work the next morning and everything, so it was just very hard to do. That's why you're getting it so late. And also, I left the poll up there on YouTube saying that which one would you guys prefer if I do both of these together or separate? So what I'm going to do is, I'm going to kind of answer both both questions for you guys. So I'm going to do both of these reviews together. However, you can hear both of them on all the podcasts. I'm going to put it up uh, part of the No Gimmick Seated podcast, which you guys can listen to on all the podcasts, have Stitcher, podcast, uh, Apple Podcasts, Speaker, uh, Google Play. And it's going to be up on all of those. And then on YouTube, you're going to get just the Royal Rumble version. Okay, so... Because there's a lot of talk about the Royal Rumble. Some talk about in NXT. So I, I want everybody to get, you know, the full thing. So the podcast version, it'll be up on the podcast. But if you guys... But the YouTube will just be the Royal Rumble. So I'm going to start with NXT TakeOver Phoenix. So it was, a, it was a decent car. I couldn't wait to get into it. So uh, we're going to start with the first matches for the NXT... Tag Team Champions, that's the War Raiders versus Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong. So this is what opened up the match. The War Raiders had a great opening entrance as they came out with all these uh, barbarian warriors that came out and then they had the smoke come out and then uh, it was cool. It had the little like gong going off and then they came out. It was really, really good. And I'm telling you, it's like... These guys cannot have a bad match because for those who don't know, if you ever watched like Ring of Honor or if you ever watched any in the Indies, War Machine and Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong, you've seen these guys have matches before, and they it's impossible it seems like for them to have a bad match. And this match did not disappoint. One thing I like about NXT is the tag team matches; they they do a phenomenal job on the tag team matches, and this one was by far. One of one of my favorites. It, 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 they they know how to, you know, start off kind of like how uh, TNA Impact was when they start off with like Motor City Machine Guns. You know, I mean that they know how to put on a great show, and uh, this one was no different. As there was near fall after near fall after near fall, Hanson go dives through the ropes with a scary spot and misses it, flips on his back. Oh, that t- I'm sorry, that scared me. Hanson doing the handspring elbow off the ropes. That uh scared me. Because every time somebody does a handspring elbow, I always think they're going to fall on their head or something like that. But every time, every time they, they clear it, it's good. But Hanson is going to do some things that a big man should not be able to do. But he does them anyway. So the man is great at what he does here. But uh, the end comes with uh, the Warriors hitting their fish with on Kylo Riley and picking up the win. Big win. We got the new NXT Tag Champs, Kyle O'Reilly, and, uh, excuse me, sorry, <laughs> War Raiders. So, we're going to see where, where this goes for the Undisputed Era. Because uh, Adam Cole had declared that they were going to win all every championship in 2019. So, uh, they'll get a main roster call-up. Or are they actually going to uh, stay in NXT a little bit longer? Uh, I'm not sure yet. Next match, uh, we have an actual full match between uh, Cassius Ono and... Matt Riddle. So, uh, this is like the first full match because uh, this is like the third time they went at it. And uh, I enjoyed this matchup. Matt, Matt Riddle is always uh, great to watch in this uh, <laughs> matchup. It still seems barefoot. There was a nasty moment in the match where I catch him a bit on uh, his his bare feet. It was like, ill, gross, but whatever the case may be. But uh, Matt Riddle does pick up the win. On Cassius Ono here, good, uh, great, solid matchup. I enjoyed, enjoyed too. Cash on the right person to put over Matt Riddle, so I like to see what Matt Riddle does in the future. He can be a big star 
in NXT. I really see he becoming NXT champion before he uh, does anything else. However, I would like to see him and the Brock Lesnar matchup, but I seriously doubt Brock. I don't even know if Brock would still be in the company by that time, but I'm just saying, if they build Bat Riddle right, that would be a damn good matchup. Now it's time for the North American uh, Championship, Ricochet versus Giant Organo. As soon as I hear these two names, I automatically know right off the back that this is going to be a phenomenal matchup as well. So, uh, Ricochet, Giant Organo, you know, exchanging back, uh, exchanging back and forth, and there's a lot of great high spots. Of course, Giant Organo trying to hit the Organo escape, and then Ricochet trying to plot all his moves. Uh, the the notable thing is that I, I see Giant Gano takes up. Well, first of all, uh, Ricochet once again does a beautiful uh, shooting star press, but Giant Gano taking up the ring, uh, not the ring mat, the mat on the outside. And I was like, are we doing? And he he's about to tease to put a DDT on the Ricochet on there, but then a Ricochet got out got out of it. I think he showed the back toss. Giant he showed the back toss on the mat. I'm not necessarily sure, but um. I gotta go back because last time I seen this was on Saturday when I was uh my time recording this, but I do remember the Brain Buster to Ricochet on the on the concrete. I had never seen a Brain Buster on concrete before and how well they pulled that off. And Giant Gano rolls Ricochet back in and uh, hits another move on Ricochet and pins him and becomes the new. North American champion, and I was just like, "What a great match!" I'm not doing it no justice here by not, you know, give you an in-depth review of it because, like I said, I, I wanted to go back and actually watch NXT Takeover Phoenix because I watched it on that Saturday in the midst of me doing a lot of things on that Saturday, and I said, "Okay, I want to watch it with fresh eyes again." But I never got a chance around. I never got around to that because Royal was so long. I had so much to do. So you gotta please forgive me that I, I know I'm missing a lot of spots that happened in that match. I missed a lot of spots in all these matches. Uh, Rob Team Dream was out there uh, with his burnt orange tight uh, sweater on with uh, these two laces. Just the fun, the first takeovers. Velveteen Dream has not been on in over a year. If you think back to all the takeovers in 2018, Velveteen Dream was on every single takeover, and he had either the match of the night or one of the best highlights uh, of the of the takeover. So he, you know he did good. If you go down to the track record of the ladder match or Cash's Ono in Philly, EC3 Championship with Champa. Or Ricochet, you know, he has always had a match on there and always has found a way to stand out. So it, it, it's like, wow, it's kind of like bittersweet not seeing him on there. Uh, time for the NXT Women's Championship. Bianca Belair takes on Shannon Baszler. I like in the beginning how Bianca Belair is like, I'm undefeated, and then Shannon Baszler trips her down, and then she says, overrated, and Bianca trips her down. But then Shannon Baszler takes Bianca Belair's braid while they're on the outside. Pulls it so her shoulder hits the ring post. And Bianca sold that shoulder throughout the whole match. And one thing I like about this match is that they they gave Bianca Belair a chance to, you know, kind of like be the underdog a little bit. I mean, she's, her character still fits the heel model. But having her show that she can uh, withstand pain and, you know, because everybody was truly behind Bianca Belair in the matchup. And Shannon Baszler was working on Bianca Belair's arm, but then... Bianca Belair fights out of it, gives her some, some shoulder tackles. I like the mix-up where she kind of rolls out the way. From Shannon Baszler gives her a big spear for a near fall. And then, of course, we have a Marina Shafir and Justin Duke come out. But Bianca Belair fights them off. And uh, as Bianca Belair has uh, Shannon Baszler up, it looks, looks like it's going to be a grand slam. Shannon Baszler rolls out and throws Bianca Belair to the ref. But Bianca Belair fights back, kicks and hits a KOD onto Shannon Baszler, but there is no referee. So, once again, she gets on a tie rope, and then uh, the, the other horsewoman try to attack her. She knocks him off, goes for a 450 splash, gets caught by Baszler in uh, the, 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 the Baszler lock. I forgot what she what she calls that lock. And she fights out of it. Everybody thought she was done by this, but she does fight out of it, and... Um, 
fights back a little bit, but then basically gets into it again, and then she stands up on her feet, and people are cheering, and like they're buying into it, but she falls down, and she passes out. She doesn't tap out, she passes out, and uh, she sleeps, and everybody gives respect to Bianca Belair, but Shannon Baszler retains the Women's Championship, which I thought was a really well-put-together matchup for, because it's, it's hard to follow anything Giant Organo does in NXT, and especially with Ricochet. So, you, I wasn't expecting them to follow the match blow for blow, but I was expecting them to follow with the story. And I recognize Shayna Baszler's for, formula when she's in these matches is that she, they tell great stories to her. I remember this kind of this with Ember Moon when she was working on the shoulder as well. Like, those are the great kind of stories and having, like, you know, this big baddie against the, the underdog. So, I believe she, uh, Bianca Belair got some respect that night from the uh, crowd as well. In the main event for the NXT Championship, we had Alistair Black taking on Tommaso Ciampa for the NXT Championship. And I have to say, this was a good match. Now, even going in here, I had no... I, I didn't even think Alistair Black was going to win because I thought Alistair Black, it's time for him to go to the main roster. He did all he could do in NXT. But I wanted to see a good match. And that's exactly why I've seen a very good main event here where... The, the story in the beginning was working on Alistair Black's leg and to the point where Chopper was working on the leg and then he went to the outside and then rammed his knee on the announce table. So it was really uh, bothering him throughout the match where Alistair Black couldn't hold things like Boston Crabs. It was hard for him to do his hurdle moonsault to the outside. So that played a picture where if you take away the leg of Alistair Black, a lot of his moves that are strike-based, he won't be able to do. So I enjoyed the story of the matchup. And then we got to the end, towards the ending where it's just action-packed, back and forth, back and forth. We really want indie style here as well. And um, I remember t t Tommaso, uh, he Alistair Black was trying to go for the black mask. Uh, Chopper doesn't get it, but then Chopper does hit a draping DDT for a near fall. Doesn't work. He tries to pull up the mat on the outside, but then uh, just like Gorgano did earlier, and then Alistair Black hits him with a knee, and he falls back on the concrete, and then he, he goes in, trying to hit a black mask. He gets out the way of it, but uh, as his leg is hurt, and Chopper tries to you know mimic some of his moves and. The, the, the picks him up with like by his foot to go for a black mask, but then you know, Alspike throws another knee. And towards the end of this match, it was just a lot of back and forth in these spots. Chopper must have hit his finishing move about four different times, which to me kind of does bother me when you hit when you see a lot of fish moves done that many times. But uh, it was all playing into the story. Finally, Chopper hits I forgot that 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 double cross sit down face buster thing he does and picks up the win there so Chopper retains the championship and the big surprise is that Gorgano comes out and on the top they are celebrating holding both championships so are we getting a heel DIY back together like I don't know what's happening with that but that's how the show ends uh great I give it an A it was takeovers are usually just great as they were and like I said this one did not disappoint but what did, what happened after the show was Velveteen Dream comes up on stage and gets in Chopper's face. And then, uh, so, of course, Alistair Black comes back up to get in Chopper's face. Adam Cole comes out and gets in Velveteen Dream's face. And then Ricochet comes out. And then there's a big brawl between all six of these guys. Even going to the back, Triple H tells everybody to you know, break, break it up and cool the hell, take a walk. So, which is leading up to a huge six-man tag match on halftime heat next week during the Super Bowl. So if you guys don't want to see Maroon 5, this is how WWE has been marketing this. It says, say, if you don't want to see Travis Scott, if you don't want to see Maroon 5, make sure you come over there and watch the six-man tag match before uh, halftime Super Bowl. Honestly, I already know how Super Bowl is going to go. I'm not really in the Super Bowl this year. Uh, so I'm not going to... It's Tom Brady probably going to win his, his next ring. So that's what, what, what's going to happen here. Um... Well, that was NXT Takeover Phoenix. So right now, if you listen to us, listen to me on the podcast apps, we're gonna go right into the Royal Rumble. So here we go. What's going on, YouTube? It's NC, the place to be. Channel with me, Mister A and E. Back to give you guys a Royal Rumble review. And uh, if you guys are listening to me on the podcast apps, you already know. We have been here since NXT, but I decided to put the Royal Rumble full review up 
on YouTube because I figured this was probably going to be a more lengthy review. And But I did listen to you guys. I did combine both of the reviews. But you can find the NXT TakeOver Phoenix Review part of this review on all the podcast apps. So make sure you guys stay uh, check out Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Speaker, and Google Play. Uh, to listen to the whole full review, but on the YouTube because it was going to be probably kind of lengthy. I decided to just put the Royal Rumble one up on there. Thank you guys for all the votes. I listened to you. I kind of, you know, something for everybody. <laughs> I I should say. And we're in the Royal Rumble, and you know what? I thought overall it was a really decent show. I enjoy the Royal Rumble. The problem is, I think it was way too long. And you know. Here's the thing. I used to WWE having four-hour shows. WrestleMania's uh, 17, I was happy when they added an extra hour to WrestleMania because I felt as though that's what the big shows needed. The big shows need to be longer than the B shows because WrestleMania was three hours just like the other pay-per-views were back in the day. Or sometimes it was three hours and then it was two hours. I think WrestleMania... Royal Rumble, Survivor Series, SummerSlam, those should be your four-hour shows, and everything else should just be your three-hour shows. But if you're counting the two-hour pre-show, which started at 5 o'clock, and the show that went off at midnight, we was in there for seven hours. Seven hours. and I cannot imagine the people that was there in them seats for seven hours. I went to the Royal Rumble last year when it came to Philly. I missed the pre-show, uh, I, not all the pre-show, but I missed most of the pre-show. I got there, we got there like around 6.25, so and I did not have the floor seat, but I did have the lower level seat. I was like right behind the production, they did great, great view and everything, but them seats are very uncomfortable because you got to think, it's the winter, especially here in the East Coast, and it's, it's not, we don't got that dry heat like Arizona do, so... It's cold. Everybody got their bulky jackets on because it's really cold outside. And they're trying to stuff them in these small places to sit there and watch the event. And it's just sometimes uncomfortable once you get to like hour two and a half. So sitting there for seven hours. So I was going to do the review that night with the whole crew. But we just couldn't do it. We had to get up and go to work tomorrow. That's why this review is coming at you guys so late. That's why Raw is on right now by the time you guys are watching this review. And I was just like, okay, it's just way too late. So... Right now, I'm going to get into it. The pre-show, where we had the Raw Tag Team Championships of Rude and Gable versus the team of Razor and Scott Dawson because Akam is injured. This is the state of the Raw Tag Team Championships. So, all four of these men, if they leave this year from WWE, I probably won't blame them. Because this is just horrendous. The, the, the disrespect for the, the tag team division here was terrible. And the thing is, I didn't even watch this matchup. I, I, I went and got stuff together. I didn't care about this matchup because I already knew Rudy Gay was going to retain. How is Scott Dawson and Razor going to win this matchup? It makes no fucking sense at all. Then we get the Fatal... Oh, uh, no. We get the uh, United States Championship match. Shinsuke Nakamura taking on Rusev for a championship. This match was uh, pretty all right. I figured Shinsuke was going to get his championship back where everybody thought that Rusev was going to retain here. I mean, well, I actually see to see Shinsuke going on something else, but looking at the way the storylines was going, I figured Shinsuke was probably not going to go on something else. So he just need the United States Championship back. He could build a nice rivalry for him going up into WrestleMania. Or, I don't know, give it to Amos. Him versus Amos would be a, a very good matchup. But anyway, Lana, looking all so well, is up on the apron doing the same thing again. And Roos and Nakamura... Is in her face. Rusev tries to go and hit Nakamura, but Nakamura gets out the way. He hits Lana. Lana falls down to the ground and she hurts her ankle, which is foreshadowing for what's going to happen later on that night. So, you know, it's all a little storytelling. They start storytelling here in the pre show. And then as Rusev's checking on Lana, uh, Shisha gives him a Kinshasa at the back of the head and he wins uh, back his United States Championship match. It was a solid match. Nothing really noteworthy. Nothing really special other than Lana hurting her ankle. And once again, when Lana is in these injury angles and she falls and she gets hurt, like she does a very poor job at like selling what got hurt. I'm just saying, like the way she falls, the way she acts, like man, there's no way she got hurt from that. If Liv Morgan was to act like she was hurt from falling backwards into a table, I I believe it. 
But the way Lana be falling, I'm like, she just fell. It's like, they like she twists her ankle or something like that. I'm not saying she got to really twist her ankle or nothing like that, but I'm just saying. Um, so, that was that match. Then we get the Fatal 4-Way for the Cruiserweight Championship. Buddy Murphy takes on Hideo Tommy, takes on Kalisto, and they kill Tozawa. At first, the fans, you know, it took a while for them to get into it. But then they did get into it because this is some fast-paced Fatal 4-Way action that was in here. A lot of great Cruiserweight stuff here. I was pulling for Hideo Tommy. He's been well enough. And I'm just like, I'm really pulling for him. But he just did not. He came up short in the victory for me as Hideo Tommy hits his, uh, as Buddy Murphy hits his finisher on Hideo Tommy to pick up the victory. Uh, there was one spot with Cleese on springboards in the ring. And then Buddy Murphy hits him with a sick knee. There's this one uh, spot where Hideo Tommy is up on the middle rope, trying to suplex uh, Kalisto, but but he he's on Buddy Murphy's shoulders, and Kirchizawa runs underneath uh, his legs and hits Kalisto, who Hurricane Rana's Buddy Murphy into the barricade. So much crazy stuff that I actually took. I recommend going back and watching it. And now it's time for the main show, the Royal Rumble. So we're in uh, Chase Field here we're in Phoenix, Arizona. This is the baseball stadium. The first ever Royal Rumble I was at the baseball stadium. Bumped out because they had the roof closed. Because I really wanted to see what it looked like, looked like when with the roof open. I don't know what the temperature was like over there in Arizona. I know here in Philly it was it was cold as hell. But that, that's, that's the thing. When it comes to wintertime, we get all that nasty weather. So I didn't know if Arizona, the, the dry heat state, got that kind of weather. But I seriously doubt it does it. So I wonder why they didn't have the roof open. Because I was like, you know, having, a, having it in daylight well, you know, would have made a good effect. But they did come out by the dugout. Now, I heard people say that they didn't like the dugout entrance at all. It was kind of bland. You know, I'm, I, I feel both ways. When I heard them coming out of the dugout entrance, I, I thought it would be kind of different. And don't get me wrong, it was different because I'm tired of seeing the pay-per-views with the same Raw and SmackDown LED screens up there all the time for every single pay-per-view except for WrestleMania. I just love when they, you know, be creative. Kind of like how Royal Rumble 2000 was when they turned Master Square Garden, even though Master Square Garden doesn't have that ramp anymore, into like a whole New York street because that was the theme. And they had a whole busted up taxi cab over the Titantron. I like that. You know, each uh, pay-per-view has their own identity. And we, many of YouTubers and podcasters have been talking about this for that time. But it was a, it was a different kind of interest. So I was happy to see a different kind of interest. And uh, the screens weren't that big. And it, it, it weren't like coming up from somewhere. So I liked it more than I didn't like it. Was it kind of bland? Yeah, I mean, could they do a little bit more with it, especially them being in a baseball stadium? Absolutely. But I'm glad it was something different than seeing the LED screens. So, we start off with our first matchup. And the first matchup on the cards, we start off with the SmackDown Women's Championship matchup, which is Asuka taking on Becky Lynch. So, automatically, I felt as though that, uh, we are going into, uh, there's going to be something going on with Royal Rumble, which is probably part of my predictions. And I, so I watched this matchup. This was a pretty decent matchup between Oscar and Becky Lynch. It was a really decent matchup. Both women are trying to test each other early and uh, going for their submissions really early. Scary spot that Becky Lynch took when they was on the apron. I thought Oscar was going to suplex her off the apron like, uh, her shot at WrestleMania because Oscar's known for taking some heavy bumps, especially if you guys watch her as Kenta back in New Japan. She is a very dangerous woman. <laughs> so uh, she looks like a swinging neckbreaker to Becky Lynch, and she lands right on her shoulder off the apron, which looks like it sucks. But then we get back in the ring, and Oscar's giving her all these head kicks for these near falls. And then Oscar goes for Oscar Lava, but Becky gets out. And then Oscar tries to put Becky in her own disarmor. Then Becky ch puts Oscar uh, in her Oscar lock, and it turns into a disarmor as well. And then all these near falls, but then you know, each woman keeps getting out of it. And uh, the finish comes when Oscar finally gets the Oscar lock on Becky Lynch, and then she flips over and brings the pressure all onto her neck. And Becky Lynch taps out, and Oscar wins. Now, I have no problem with Oscar winning. Oscar looking strong here. I kind of wish Becky kind of tapped out instead of, 
not, I'm not, not tapped out, passed out like Bianca Belair did the night before instead of tap out. But, I mean, I'm cool with it either way. So, automatically, when that happened, with this being the first matchup, I said Becky's going to come back and be in this Royal Rumble. How do I know? that? I, I made that prediction. I said it all depends what the match placement on the card is. So, I, feel, I really felt as though that that's what was going to happen. So, moving on to our next matchup. It is time for the SmackDown Live Tag Team Championships. And that is... The Miz and Shane McMahon taking on the bar. I have no problem saying that I had no faith in this matchup whatsoever. I didn't. I really didn't. However, I was like, okay. It's Shane McMahon. And I, like, it, it's a storyline. I know Shane and them are going to win the tag team titles. And why do they keep doing this to the bar? But they did find a way to make an entertaining matchup out of it. As in the beginning, uh, on the outside, Cesaro and Sheamus are really giving themselves like some hits here. And Shane sets up Cesaro on the announce table. He's about to go for his diving elbow. But then uh, Sheamus uh, hits Miz as he's trying to hold down Cesaro. to get Cesaro out the way. And Shane does a like a diving clothesline on Sheamus. But then Cesaro hits him with an uppercut. So then the Miz takes the heat for the most of the matchup. But then at the end... Uh, they are brawling, and Miz has, which is one of my favorite spots, Miz puts Sheamus and Cesaro in the corner. Because you know that's the only way that Shane can reach the coast-to-coast these days. So, Shane goes up for the coast-to-coast, and as he goes for it, Cesaro just catches his legs, and you can tell Shane's head smacks the back of the uh, turnbuckle. I mean, not the turnbuckle, the mat. So, he's holding his head, and Cesaro takes him for a ride. And he must have swung Shane McMahon at least 25 times. Because it just kept going and going, kind of like the lift of the pay-per-view. It just kept going and 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 going. And it was, I stopped being Shane was holding his head the whole entire time. I thought it was funny. And as uh, Cesaro, you know, about to go for the sharpshooter, the Miz comes back in. And Sheamus does too. And Sheamus wants to go for a broke kick. Uh, Miz pulls Cesaro in his way. He hits Cesaro with a broke kick, and then Miz hits with his Sheamus with a score question finale. Now Shane McMahon, forty nine years old, about to be fifty, goes up on the top rope. You know, say praise to the Lord, and does a shooting star press. Even though I hate to admit it, sometimes it's still very impressive. Shane McMahon doing that shooting star press on to Cesaro, and they pick up the win. And Mrs. Dad's in the audience, and they are just celebrating. I did just won the world championship, even though they only tag team championships. And I'm just like, I'm trying to see where this story is going. <laughs> it really is. But it was a decent moment having Shane and Miz win the matchup. So I thought, I thought it was very entertaining for what it was. So they pick up the win here. Very good. It was a good way to pick up that win because I was like, with the bro kick and the Shane doing his shooting star press, yes, you know, that's how it should happen. I, I enjoy his victory uh, for Shane much better than I enjoy his victory over Dolph Ziggler in the best in the world. Just saying. So, next matchup we have is for the Raw Women's Championship, and that is Ronda Rousey going up against Sasha Banks. Fresh matchup. We've never seen it before. And off the back, I really enjoy this matchup. However, there are people out there who thought this match kind of sucked. And I, look, it's hard. First of all, I... For people who say Ryan Rousey can't wrestle, like, you know, stop being a mark. Really, stop being a mark because this is the first time her, her and Sasha met up. So, of course, there was some miscommunication. It ain't like these women got the kind of chemistry that somebody who's been wrestling on house shows and main shows over and over again are going to understand. That's how it is in wrestling. And, of course, what, what I don't know if she rehearsed the match or not, which wrestlers do in the first place. So, I don't know why people want to get on her for rehearsing matches, because that's what most wrestlers do. Sometimes everybody's not Ric Flair and Bret Hart. They just call it in the ring. So, you know, uh, that, that that's what that was. So, but they had a very good matchup. Would I say, was it better than her versus Charlotte? No, but they really had a very, very good matchup. And uh, Ronda was sitting there saying, you don't think I know how to wrestle? And I'll show you how to wrestle. So she does the three amigos to Sasha Banks, and I was like, oh my god, that, that that's something, 
Sasha dives on the outside and uh, on the Ronda Rousey. That was a pretty, pre- at first I was like, Sasha, H. she dived through the ropes. She gets me scared, but she did it. And um, one of the things that, that it kind of threw me off was, if Ronda know how to wrestle, right, in storyline, she does the arm bar to Sasha Banks on the outside, and then Sasha taps out, but she's like, look, she's tapping. I'm like, you're on the outside. It's not going to count now, so she has to be inside the ring. But now Ronda is debuting one of her new moves called the Piper's Pit. Never, I, I seen that side stand that she does, and I just thought it was a setup move for the arm bar. But I guess that now she's trying. They trying to get for a submission. I mean, a, a, not a submission, a finisher that she can actually finish off the opponents with. So she hits Sasha with this uh, Piper's Pit a couple times and picks up the win over Sasha Banks with that. So I was like, okay, the moves are that doesn't look that impressive, but I guess they wanted to just do that. So instead of having Sasha Banks tap out, so she can like kind of like have alternate moves kind of thing. So as uh, Ronda helps up Sasha, shakes her hands, gives her respect, and then Sasha walks up. She stops, turns around as Ronda walk up the aisle. It says, you know, basically, thank you. But she flashes the four in front of her face, like, you know, the four horsewoman. And I don't think Ronda took well to that. So we're foreshadowing the four horsewoman versus the four horsewoman matchup. A uh, uh, force of WWE versus four horsewoman of UFC. We don't get that match at WrestleMania. I think they build it up for later on down the line, such as SummerSlam, maybe Survivor Series. Or even maybe next year's WrestleMania. I'm not sure. But right now, it's, it is foreshadowing. I hope we do get it this year. And I hope they do it right. Because I don't know what if Ronda wants to take some time off. You know, to, to, to live her life. Or try to have a baby or something, something of that nature. Or if she decides to come back after the baby. Like, I don't know what the plan is. But uh, there is some foreshadowing there. So I thought it was a really good matchup. People who hate on the matchup. I did, you know, they just want to find things to hate on. Uh, now we're going to our first rumble of the night. So same kind of setup like it was last year. We had two matches, then a rumble, then a rumble, the rumble main main event. So I think that's going to be the format from here on out, especially having two rumbles. How they're going to do this thing? And uh, first off, this rumble was probably one of the longest rumbles in history, going seventy two minutes. That's an hour and twelve minutes. And I was just like, my. Goodness, that was a very long Royal Rumble. Very long Royal Rumble. But we start off with the women here. And I have to say here that at first, when we, we was all watching the show, everybody was saying, well, man, we didn't have that many surprises or we didn't have that many legends. And I have to say to that, I'm okay with that. And I'm really okay with that because is it gr- cool to see Molly Holly? Is it cool to see Beth Phoenix? Is it cool to see Trish Stratus? Vict, uh, Victoria or Lita. Yes, it's all great to see those kind of women. Michelle McCool. But you know when you see those women, they're not going to win the matchup. That's for nostalgia purposes here. You had women that came up in this matchup. NXT got shine here. And I don't understand why people are upset because NXT got shine here. NXT didn't get no shine really that much in a women's rumble last year. But this year, they did get the, the shine. Other than Kyrie Zane and Ember Moon, who was a champion, they really didn't get no shine. So this time, they did get the shine here, and I appreciate that. So we start off with Lacey Evans as number one and Natalya as number two. Natalya is going to be the Iron Woman for this matchup. And I'm going to go down the whole list of everybody that came into the Rumble because it's going to be hard to go over every single spot that happened in the Royal Rumble. Or we're going to be here as long as the Royal Rumble was. And I doubt y'all want to be here for that long. But it's like the number going down from number one. Number one, Lacey Evans. Number two, Natalia. Number three, Mandy Rose. Number four, Liv Morgan. Number five, Mickey James. Number six, Ember Moon. Number seven, Billy Kay. Number eight, Nikki Cross. Number nine, Peyton Royce. Number 10, Tamina. Number 11, uh, Z Lee. Which is the whole Chinese uh, NXT woman that was in the Mayan Classic. Number 12, Sarah Logan. Number 13, Charlotte Flair. Number 14, Kyrie Zane. Number 15, Maria Canellas. Number 16, Naomi. Number 17, Candice LeRae. Number uh, 18, Alicia Fox. Number 19, Kathy Casario. Uh, num- number 20, Selena Vega. Number 21, Ruby Wright. Number 22, Dana Brooke. Number th- 23, uh, 
Io Shirai. Number 24, Rhea Ripley. Number 25, Sonya Deville. Number 26, Alexa Bliss. Number 27, Bailey. Number 28, Becky Lynch. Number 29, Nia Jax. And number 30, Carmella. So, the memorable things. First of all, in the beginning, we could tell Lacey Evans. By the way, Lacey Evans is a great wrestler. I will support her. I love Lacey Evans. She grew on me in the Mayo Classic, and she even grew on me more in NXT when I found out when I found out that she could sell. I like wrestlers that can sell and wrestle at the same time. I was out, you know, because it takes a lot to sell. And Lacey Evans is one of those. I think she's a good seller. She has a good character, and she uh, is a good wrestler. But you could tell she was a little nervous. It is the first time performing in front of 40,000 people. So there was a time when Natalia tried to uh, flip her backwards. She tried to do a backflip, but she kind of fell on her ass. And then uh, they had the sequence of moves where Natalia did this little uh, front handspring like like Neville used to do or Apollo Crews does. And Lacey was trying to do a kip-up, and she couldn't do a kip-up at all. She fell on her legs. So it was this awkward stare, and I was just like, okay, she's a little nervous right now. And... She has to lead this whole thing off. But she came into her own in the Royal Rumble. She lasted a good 30 minutes in the Rumble. So I am uh, pretty happy with that one. Uh, the next thing, Liv Morgan gets eliminated very quickly by the tie. She doesn't stay in there long. Ember Moon is another Iron Woman. They, we actually had a lot of Iron Women. We actually had about, I think, four women, three or four women that stayed in this matchup for 50-plus minutes. That's unheard of. Un heard of because Ember Moon did it Billy Kay comes out but she wants to wait for Peyton to get in there and then he cross comes out attacks uh Billy Kay does her in the ring and then Peyton Royce comes out and they both eliminate Nikki Cross uh Charlotte comes out at number 13 and she, she she's another Iron Woman lasting there for 50 minutes lasting all the way to the end Maria Kanellis is a surprise from 205 Live, especially all the stuff that we've been hearing about Mike and Maria Kanellis. But uh, it was fun to see Maria out there. I still don't think that Maria, like when Maria was here back in 2005, 2006 era, 2004-2005, I was never a big fan of Maria. And her moveset sucks. She never could really wrestle to me. She went on to the indie. She had a great heel character over there, kind of like uh, Christy Hemme. But I never thought she came to be one of those great wrestlers. And when she was doing some of her moves in the ring, it was just like very outdated. And I'm just like, man, I don't even know if you're in the league with these women anymore. But it was fun seeing Maria Kanellis out there. Naomi comes out. She does the Kofi Kingston spot. And she's about to get eliminated. But she does a handstand on the apron. And because she eliminates Mandy Rose and then goes on the barricade, walks it very slow because she about to fall a couple times. Everybody's making sure that she does not fall. And uh, she gets to the corner. She hops on the steel steps. Great athletic move. And what a way to get heel heat. Mandy Rose knocks her down off the steel steps. And everybody is just booing her because Naomi did all that work. And then uh, she's not in the rumble and Mandy Rose takes her down. Which I think was really good because that continues the rivalry. And it gives heel heat to Mandy Rose other than just being in a hotel room. This actually gives her heat because people was really clamoring for Naomi during that spot. Candice LeRae comes in there. That was good. Uh, Kathy Cazero, that's that. She's small, but that woman is athletic, and she's a gymnast. So she does some of her gymnast-style moves in there, and she has a kind of Kofi spot on there where she falls on the outside, but she her feet does not touch the ground, and then she uh, does like a handspring on the barricade and then walks herself over to the ring post and then scales up the ring post. Great stuff. Like, it's really great stuff. However, I would say the first half of this woman's rumble was sloppy. It really was. It was sloppy and it bored me a little bit. The second half is when it picked up. I think once Charlotte entered the ring at 13, like we was like halfway there, that's when they started picking up because after that we had all the Naomi stuff and stuff like that. Selena Vega comes out looking like Vega from Street Fighter and she spends most of her time hiding underneath the ring using that strategy. So I enjoyed that. Riot Squad comes back. He try to beat up everybody. They beat them down. Throw them back in there. And then she eliminates them. So the big showing came from 2015 in Philly. I don't ever want to remember that ever again. Uh, Dana Brooke comes out uh, in a heap of fire. And she is just uh, 
kick going in. If I, I can remember, Sonya Deville looked like a complete badass in this. Alexa Bliss makes her return at number twenty-six. People are going hype for her. But here's the big story. So at twenty-eight, here comes Lana. If you remember earlier in the pre-show, Lana gets injured from falling off the ring. So now Lana is limping her way back. And she she obviously can't make it. When Nia Jax comes out, she hits Lana in the leg. And, uh, you know, being a heel. So then all we see is Becky Lynch come out and tell Fit Finley, Hey, Finley, nice to see you again. Uh, that I can go. Let me go. So Finley lets her in the match, and she's in the matchup. So... We finally get all the eliminations, and now we're down to Bailey, Becky, Charlotte, and Nia Jax. So, Nia Jax eliminates Bailey, and um, Bail, uh, Nia Jax gets tossed over by Becky. Well, she tosses Becky Lynch outside, and then Charlotte tosses Becky Lynch over the top rope, and then Becky Lynch pulls her down. The crowd goes nuts. So now it's down to Becky and Charlotte. What I didn't like was. Becky's on the steel steps. Nia Jax pushes her off, hurts Becky's leg, and they're trying to build all this extra sympathy. I'm like, look, this pay-per-view is already that too long. So I'm like, we don't need all of this. So Becky finally gets back into the ring. Her and Shaw have a little scuffle. Uh, Shaw's out there on the apron. Becky nails her with a clothesline. And I like the camera work on this one. They show Shaw's feet as she just slowly... Rolls off the apron and falls down. And Becky Lynch is your new 2019 Women's Royal Rumble winner. So I'm just like, okay, let's go and go face Ronda Rousey to get your matchup. Let's hope Vince don't fuck it up and be like, hey, get your rematch with Oscar. I, I would hate that. No, but I, I really see. You want to get that WrestleMania match, Becky and Ronda. They still make their triple threat match because... Charlotte was the last one in there, and I know Charlotte's going to probably come up with something to say. You weren't legally in the Royal Rumble, but she did get cleared to go in there by Finley. I think that's why Finley was still out there. So, I'm curious to see how they're going to do it. We got to check into SmackDown, but uh, Becky is the winner here. Going into the next matchup, which I did not want to even bring this up, really, but it had to be brought up, and that's AJ Styles versus Daniel Bryan and I have to say this match just did not do what I wanted this match to do and you know a lot of that has to do with card placement this it it, it is because 72 minutes in the Royal Rumble the fans were drained by that point. You had an exciting opener matchup. You had exciting Becky and I mean uh, Sasha and Ronda, and you had the tag championship matchup. But then you had w- uh, one Rumble, and it it sucks the air out. And then you have these two championship matches that come after this. And I think that now we've also seen Brian and AJ go so many times. And you know, nobody's under this impression now that. They, they, they don't do kind of building anymore. Back in the day, even I, I'm going to go back to as far as new generation era. When they had matches with the same cat people over and over again, you had to switch it up because you, you got the the one-on-one matches. You had the rubber match. And if you, the driver keeps going, you got to go into stipulation territory. You got to change the stipulation up and up. And then it, but it just doesn't work when it's the same thing over and over again. And, and I'm not just talking about just regular singles matches. Because you can put on good matches. AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan, of all the matches I've seen, have been good matches. But they've all been singles matches. And just because you put the championship in here, which they already did that already, what there's not much that's going to be different here. And this match was just slow and boring. They were beating each other up. The crowd wasn't into it. And whether you think so or not, a crowd makes a matchup. And it's kind of the same way, kind of like with Bray Wyatt and, Dan, and Dean Ambrose, Back in 2016, I believe it was, that rivalry just needed to die because they kept doing the same matches over and over again. And what I mean by that is, just because you have an ambulance match or a no, an extreme rules match, stuff like that, it's all hardcore based to the point where there's there's no different style of win. They'll just beat the fuck out of somebody. You can't do that. And I'm just like, AJ Styles and Dan Bryan were suffering from that. So this match was just long. There was a good spot of AJ doing that. A uh, backflip reverse DT on the outside, but a lot of AJ Styles matches have been slower. He's forty-one years old. 
I can understand why they're slowing down. And uh, Dale Bryan, you know, so he is clear. And granted, he's still doing what he needs to do. But it, it, it just felt so slow to me. And then when it, when things got worse, it's when AJ Styles, because uh, Dale Bryan was working on the arm, and AJ Styles accidentally hits the referee. So, but of course, uh, with that happening, Styles hits the Styles Clash on Daniel Bryan. And of course, he has a clear victory. So you already figured what the fuck is about to happen to AJ Styles. So then here comes walking down the ramp, Eric Rowan. Who? Eric Rowan. I swear, the last time I seen Eric Rowan... I was playing 2K19 because it wasn't live because Eric Rowan has been going for a while. The Bludgeon Brothers, I have not, I'm not lying to you. I have not really seen the Bludgeon Brothers since that no disqualification match with the New Day on SmackDown Live last year when the New Day won the championships from them. That was months ago and I forgot all about them. So Eric Rowan is out there and and the crowd goes absolutely dead for that. If they try to think, what the fuck is Eric Rowan doing out here? And he comes in and gives AJ Styles a face choke slam, rolls out, and Daniel Bryan picks up the win. It was flat. It was very, very flat. And I was like, you know, come out the Royal Rumble. I felt bad for both of those guys because both of those guys are very good. And like I said, AJ Styles can have a great match with anybody. And so can Daniel Bryan. But the placement really hurt this match. The uh, fatigue really hurt this matchup. And just having what the fuck moments had with Eric Rowan. I mean, if Dan Bryan wants to create like a vegan army or have, have like a big man in his corner, that's fine. But there was just no foreshadowing for this. And Eric Rowan, of all people, it just, it just didn't sit well with a lot of people. But one thing I did like was the next matchup, which was for the Universal Championship... And that was Finn Balor taking on Brock Lesnar for the Universal Championship. Now, I was like, okay, Finn is coming out as the man. He's not coming out as a demon. So you already know Finn Balor is not going to win this matchup. He's not. This is the way it is. But I'm curious to see how it's going to do. Is it going to be like a beatdown of German suplex, German suplex, and then a fight back like AJ Styles and Neil Bryan? Is it going to be like a like a CM Punk style type thing when it was a uh, no disqualification? CM Punk was just fighting and fighting the best he could, but nothing was keeping the beast down. Like, how's it going to be? Soon as the bell rung, it wasn't a long match at all because I don't think the last thing the fans needed was a long match. They took the Goldberg versus Brock Lesnar approach, which was a phenomenal match for the short amount of time it was in. So he took that approach. Finn Balor just comes out the gate, just crashing right into Brock Lesnar, beating him down, giving him drop kicks, and then we go out to the outside. And then Finn Balor pushes Brock Lesnar's ribs into the corner of the announce table about three different times. We know Brock had that disease and that surgery down there uh, a couple years ago. So, they didn't play up on that. But Brock Lesnar was selling for that. And it was hard for him to breathe. So, it was hard for Brock Lesnar to hit those German suplexes on Finn Balor. But he did catch him in a couple of the belly-to-belly suplexes. So, I thought that was a really creative thing to do. So, he hits a couple belly bellies on the outside. Hits Finn Balor a couple of belly bellies in, in the inside. But, as he tries to go for a German suplex... He can't pick up Finn Balor because his ribs is hurting. And Finn Balor capitalizes on that. Hits a sling blade on Brock Lesnar. Hits a front a shotgun dropkick, a couple of those. Brock Lesnar rolls to the outside. And Finn Balor goes and does a dive over the ropes one time. Goes back in, dives over the ropes again. Falls around right top of Brock Lesnar a second time. And then the crowd is chanting one more time. So he goes back one more time and does it again. I'm like, okay. Once again, I said Brock Lesnar has that ability to tell a story that you will think that Finn is going to win. So then Finn goes back in the ring. He's a shotgun drop kick. And then, of course, you hear Renee Young say Finn's going to win the championship, which is a clue that he's not going to win the championship. But he hits a shotgun drop kick, goes for the pin, and then Brock Lesnar turns it into a Kimura lock. I honestly, once again, have not seen Brock Lesnar pull out the Kimura lock since Shawn Michaels, since he broke Shawn Michaels' arm. And, nope, I'm lying again. See, I'm lying. 
when he made Undertaker tap out at uh, SummerSlam. And he may have did it in Hell in a Cell, too. But it's been like three years since I see Brian Austin do that because he's been suplex, suplex, and F5. Not one German suplex in this matchup, not one F5. And Finn has nowhere to go. Finn taps out. So you're thinking, okay, decent title match. But then Brock comes back and then gets a second win, hits all the German suplexes he wants. Tosses Finn Balor back and forth and back and forth. Then hits an F5 on him. Which makes me think that this is not the end of Brock Lesnar and Finn Balor. Especially after coming back. Because Finn Balor was close to beating him as the man. But you can really promote the Demon versus the Beast match here. And I would love to see that kind of matchup at WrestleMania. And just give him about 10 minutes. It, it ain't got to be that long. And they can have Finn Balor. Or oh, 15 minutes. They, the AJ Styles and the... Brock Lesnar match was 15 minutes, and that was almost the match of the year in 2017. So I say do it. I say do it. So I think that's what's going to happen. We're going to have to find out uh, what's going on on Raw tonight to see what's going to happen. And now it's time for the Men's Royal Rumble, the last thing of the uh, the night. So let's go into everybody. Once again, I'm going to do this. Like, just like I did the women's, it's going to be... Very hard to go over spot for spot for spot for spot because it was so long. But we start with number one, Elias. Number two, Jeff Jarrett. Number three, Shisuke Nakamura. Number four, Kurt Angle. Number five, Big E. Number six, Johnny Gargano. Number seven, Jinder Mahal. Number eight, Samoa Joe. Number nine, Kurt Hawkins. Number 10, Seth Rollins. 11, Tyus O'Neill. 12, Kofi Kingston. 13, Mustafa Ali. 14, Dean Ambrose. 15, No Way Jose. 16, Drew McIntyre. 17, Xavier Woods. 18, Pete Dunne. 19, Andrade. Cien Amos. I'm saying it, okay? Andrade Cien Amos. There's nothing wrong with saying the name. Uh, 20, Apollo Crews. 21, Alistair Black. 22, Sean Benjamin. 23, Baron Corbin. 24, Jeff Hardy. 25, Ray Mysterio. 26, Bobby Lashley. 27, Braun Strowman, who took John Cena's spot. 28, Dolph Ziggler. Don't believe anything he says. 29, Randy Orton. And number 30, R-Truth. Wait, uh, Nia Jax. So, let's get into all these things. Of course, Elias starts off with, Hello, I am Elias. And we're going to get that promo. And then, of course, Jeff Jarrett comes out. Not the Attitude Era Jeff Jarrett. That's the Jeff Jarrett I know. When I like hearing that doom the doom I like that Jeff Jerry. Don't piss me off. Slap nuts. You know, uh, chauvinistic ass Jeff Jerry who gets his ass whooped. I like that. So he comes out as J E double F J A double R E double T Jeff Jerry from the mid 90s, the country singer Jeff Jerry. I was not a fan of Jeff Jerry. Only fan, only reason I like the Jeff Jerry is because of how he spells his name. Other than that, I am not a fan of Jeff Jarrett at all uh, in, in that whole gimmick with Tennessee Lee. I'm just not. So uh, him and Elias are out there saying you want to sing a song, and then Elias, uh, as Jeff Jarrett's about to start singing, Elias hits him with a back of the head with a guitar. Jeff Jarrett gets some punches in, but Elias does eliminate him. Shinsuke comes in, and then, of course, we get Kurt Angle. And I'm like, you know... A lot of dream mix-ups we can do with Kurt Angle on this Rumble. He's old. He's not my Kurt. Well, he's still my Kurt Angle. He will always be my Kurt Angle. But he's old. He can't do much of anything anymore. And um, him coming at number four and only lasting for a couple minutes. I'm like, there's a lot of things Kurt Angle. You could put him in the middle so he can mix it up with some of the young guys. Like him and Shizuka Nakamura, dream match that would never happen. Biggie comes in, of course, you know, with, with all the pancakes. Giant Gargano comes in. And uh, great to see Gorgano. Uh, Jinder Mahal didn't last long, only like 30 seconds. Uh, Samoa Joe comes in. Of course, you know, he just annihilating everybody he can. When Mustafa Ali comes in, you know, that that's a little story. The side story they're telling with that uh, feud. Uh, Kurt Hawkins comes in. He tries to hide underneath. Which, by the way, I forgot to say that Selena Vega got eliminated because she saw a horn swaggle underneath the ring and she ran back. And I forgot to say that. In the Women's Royal Rumble uh, part, like I said, so many damn highlights. I just, I, you know, it's hard to keep up with all of them. Titus O'Neil comes out, and Titus O'Neil uh, runs down like he's about to fall, like the Greatest Royal Rumble, but he stops himself, and then the crowd just cheers, and then I was like, wow, Titus got a nice cheer over there. But uh, Titus only lasts for about five seconds. Because he goes underneath the ring. 
chasing Kurt Hawkins, and then when he comes back from the other side, Kurt Hawkins pulls the rope down, Titus gets eliminated. So, there you go for Titus. Kofi uh, is in there. Kofi, the New Day is all supporting uh, having Kofi Kingston where Rumble kind of uh, saves on their attire. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. I didn't get a chance to see it all because it's all like comic books type kind of stuff, but I didn't get a chance to see how they were doing it. But Kofi's in there. He has one save where I forgot who tried to eliminate him, but he he like kind of a handstand and rolls along the uh, the apron until it got to the steel steps. So that was pretty cool. And, of course, you know, you see Kofi Kingston, like, it's like you're going to see him do something, but I'm like kind of want to see him like win it or get close to winning it. That's kind of how it is. No way, Jose came out there with the conga line, get, gets in there two seconds by Samoa Joe gets eliminated, and then just says, you know what, fuck it, I'm about to go back to partying. And Drew McIntyre comes out, takes out him and the whole conga line. So that's what that was. Xavier Woods comes out, and then he saves Kofi Kingston as a roll up and uses his strength to put Kofi Kingston on his uh. His back and gets him back into the rumble, but Drew McIntyre eliminates him, both him and Xavier Woods, in under three seconds. So, once again, the New Day don't ever last that long anymore. They're just there for the spots, but I kind of wish that they could find a way to last longer in the rumble. I mean, me personally, uh, having um, a dry day come out. Pete Dunn uh, came out and was uh, breaking everybody's fingers, of course. Uh, I Seeing Sean Benjamin, everybody's like, wait, Sean Benjamin forgot he still works there. Sean Benjamin comes out, and he uh, does some Sean Benjamin stuff. Baron Corbin, the crowd goes, huh? Uh, then, you know, Bobby Lashley comes in there. What a waste. Bobby Lashley comes in there and uh, gets tossed out by several hours of 13 seconds, gets mad. Him and Leo Rush Coffee the announce table, and then he spine busters uh Seth Rollins with the announce table. So we, I'm already foreshadowing uh, he's going to be out there for a while. Then we get Braun Strowman in there, and uh, we I was like, okay, well, it's going to be him and Seth Rollins going to win this Rumble. I'm really going to go for Seth Rollins here. Dolph Ziggler eliminates Drew McIntyre uh, with a super kick. I forgot how Dean Ambrose. Dean Ambrose gets eliminated by Alistair Black. Oh, he gets Black Mask, which was not a good Black Mask. If you can see it, Dean's, it, it catches Dean's hand instead of his head, but he gets Black Mask over the top rope. Uh, Dolph Ziggler super kicks uh, Drew McIntyre over the top. Drew McIntyre doesn't fly over the top, but he does eliminate him. So that's going to further their rivalry, I guess. So we get down to the final four. It's Andrade. Oh, no. So before we get to the final four, R-Truth's about to come out at number 30. He gets his what's up going on. And then all of a sudden, Nia, J- Nia Jax attacks R-Truth. I mean, like, whoops his ass. And she decides she's going to go in there and be number 30 at the Rumble. So, here's our woman's spot. Now, here's my thing. I have no problem with Nia Jax being in the Royal Rumble. I have no problem with, the, you know, her, you know, being the woman doing the woman's spot in this Rumble. That's not my issue. I was wondering, how is WWE going to handle this thing where they're a family-friendly show and they don't, you know, hit women? I have not seen a man-woman interaction in fighting since 2012, I believe it was. So, I don't know how the hell... They're going to handle this. So Nia gets into the ring, and then everybody's just looking like, oh, shit, what the hell do we do? And Nia said they just started attacking everybody and actually eliminates Mustafa Ali. And I'm just like, what the fuck is going on? So then Randy Orton is on his knee. I was like, you, if anybody does not give a fuck, it's Randy Orton. So Randy Orton's about to give her out of RKO, and then Nia turns around, and she just stares at uh, Randy Orton, and then... um. Ray tries it. She gets. Uh, she throws Randy off, and then uh, her Ray Mysterio jumps uh, Nia Jax, and then gives Nia Jax a six one nine, and then Randy Orton gives Nia Jax an RKO. I loved every minute of it, every bit of it. And then Ray Mysterio, and they toss over the top rope, but she hangs on. Ray Mysterio gives a, a, a double drop kick, and she falls out to the outside. So I was like, oh, I enjoyed that, and then. Uh, Rey Mysterio gets RKO out of nowhere by Randy Orton. Randy Orton uh, tosses out Rey Mysterio. And then uh, Braun Strowman comes in and eliminates. Because uh, now Dolph Ziggler, Andrade, Seth Rollins, and Braun Strowman left. So Braun Strowman eliminates Andrade seeing hours. So it's this, uh, Seth Rollins and Dolph Ziggler trying to team up and take out Braun Strowman. But then uh, Braun Strowman 
uh, clotheslines Dolph and Seth over the top row. Bulldozes right through. Uh, Dolph Ziggler takes him out. So it's now Seth and Braun Strowman. So you knew why she was going to win. Seth Rollins does finally get uh, Braun Strowman over on the apron. Gives him a curb stop. And then there it is. Seth Rollins wins the 2019 Men's Royal Rumble. Now, it's going to be very curious to see how they're going to do it. Is he going to challenge Brock Lesnar, because I would love to see a Seth versus Brock Lesnar match, but I think he could get his rematch with Finn. Whether it's at WrestleMania now, I don't know. But is he going to go challenge Daniel Bryan? Because Daniel Bryan can use somebody, he come over to SmackDown. If that's the case, you bring AJ over to Raw. So I don't know how they're going to do this, uh, really, but I'm very intrigued to see how they're going to do it. So uh, there probably will be an answer on Raw. So. But uh, right now, overall, the review has went long enough. That's what I was saying. I, I did the two reviews for you guys. I will say that Royal Rumble is a it was a B plus show for me. My my biggest letdown really was the AJ Daniel Bryan matchup because the placement was just bad. The crowd wasn't into it, and neither was anybody else. And the Eric Rowan thing just kind of like turned you know my head back which way. So. But, you know, other than that, it was really good. So, you know what? Post out in the comments down below. How did you guys enjoy the Royal Rumble? Was a thumbs up, thumbs down for you guys? Hit the subscribe button for more WWE content right here on Nerd Coalition. And make sure you guys uh, hit the like button if you guys enjoyed my review. So, once again, this is NCN Place to Be. Show Troy Mustaine and D. And Nerd Coalition is out. At Mountain Dew, we'd like to remind you that the world as we know it would not exist without the number zero. Which is why, at Mountain Dew, we'd like to recognize the number zero for making Mountain Dew Zero Sugar possible. Even with no sugar, it packs all of the bold citrus kick Dew Nation knows and loves. It's so good, you have no reason not to try it. As in zero. Get it? Crack open an ice-cold Mountain Dew Zero Sugar. It's zero sugar. All Dew.